Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, it is such a joy to be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that may you speak to us. And Lord, may your promise be so clear right now. When you have said, whether two or three are gathered, together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So Lord, may we know that your presence is here. And may every bit of our, of our being would be ready to worship you. And Lord, I pray that you please give us an eye single only to the glory of God. And Lord, I pray that this, that this sermon will all be about you. Please hide me behind the shadow of your cross that I may not be seen or be heard. And even the desire to be seen or to be heard, please take that away. Let Jesus and Jesus alone be seen, be heard, be lifted up and exalted. Thank you so much, Lord. And thank you for the infilling of your Holy Spirit. For we pray this in the loving name of your son, Jesus, all your children say, amen. So this morning, the Lord has given me this burden to share this message, this message about, about joy. Who should be the most joyful people in the world? Huh? Who are they? We are. Amen? Us. And, and that's the thing, friends. God has promised, remember, remember this beautiful promise, John 15 verse 11, These things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be what? Full. Not just partially full, but full. But this is one thing, friends, I... I have experienced as I go around, oh, by the way, who among you here has been to Korea or Japan? Any one of you here have seen the video in Japan, the train pushers? Huh? The train is so packed that they have to have train pushers in Japan to push people in. Just imagine if that happened in the, in the U.S. Like, <laughs> but in Japan, people are just like... <laughs> Have been pushed and they're not complaining. And when I went there in Japan, I was afraid that I'll be I'll be pushed. And I'm a little guy, I'll be squeezed. <laughs> but aside from those things, there's one thing that I that I discovered while we were there packed in the train in Japan, everyone was just so busy. Like they walk so fast. They they're like my size, but they walk so fast, faster than me. Life is just so fast, but life is so empty. Same is true that I, that I found in Korea. People are walking so fast. This highly industrialized country, and there's just emptiness. But you know what's the saddest thing? As I go around from church to church, from place to place, by the way, I'm not an evangelist. I go and share messages in our church. I see a lot of similarities of those people that I've seen in Japan and Korea inside our church. I'm thinking, what is happening? We're supposed to be the happiest people in the world. Why are we becoming Adventists? And not Adventists. We are waiting for the second coming. We should be the most joyful people. We have the truth. We profess to have the truth. And why are we not that joyful as we should? And then there's just this three just these three conclusions that I made. By the way, friends, this is not coming from, from a philosophy book or from a research. This is just my observation, so please bear with me. Maybe this might be true in your life as well. So how many? Three reasons. So I'd just like to go right into the first reason. 
The first reason why, and this is my experience as well before, that the joy of the Lord was not really full in my heart or the joy of the Lord is not even present is because I plan only for myself and not for the glory of God. Do you agree? Friends, when I ask you about your plans, does your plan involve God? When I ask my friends, does your plan involve God? They said, yes, God is part of my plan. What is the role that God plays in your plan? And then my friend and I realized that the role of God in my plan and in, in his plan is God is just like the troubleshooter. Every time our plans are not working out, then we call upon him. But our plans is not really for him. And as a result, we don't have the joy. Friends, this is beautiful. It says here, from Help in Daily Living, it says, Many are unable to make definite plans for the future. Their life is unsettled. They cannot discern the outcome of events. And this often fills them with anxiety and unrest. Let us remember that the life of God's children in this world is a pilgrim life. Is a what? Friends, this is not our final destination. Check your ticket. This is just a layover. Amen? I love airports, friends, but airports are not the destination. Layovers. We are just layover here. We have not wisdom to plan our own lives. It is not for us to shape our future. Friends, who is the best example that we have here in this world? Who? Jesus. Who agrees that it's Jesus? Please raise your hand. Who disagrees? Praise the Lord. No one. Listen. Christ in his life on earth made no plans for himself. Whoa. Made no plans for what? Himself. He planned, but he did not plan for himself. Listen. He accepted God's plan for him. And day by day, the Father unfolded his plans. Isn't this amazing? The moment we surrender our plans to God, the Father will unfold his plans to us. But the question is, but Lord, how can we know your plans? You know why, friends, we don't know God's plan? Because we are stuck to our own plans. The Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you. That is an individual message for, for all of us. So friends, listen to this. So should we depend upon God that our lives may be the simple outworking of His will. As we commit our ways to Him, He will direct our steps. Isn't that amazing? He will direct our steps. I believe that God is better than Siri or Google Maps. Siri and Google Maps, we lose our way. But God will never make us lose our way. Friends, just imagine this. He says, I will direct your steps. He did not just say in 20 meters, in 50 meters. He says every step. This is the God who promised this. And I remember there's this one person in the Bible that I prejudged right away because all the while I thought that this person is just like an arrogant young ruler. When I read about him in Matthew, I did not really see the whole picture, not until I read about him in Mark. So the rich young ruler, friends, listen to this. Remember in those times that the disciples stopped the children from coming to Jesus? And then Jesus said, no, let them come. And then this young ruler observed the way Jesus treated the children and his heart was moved. And listen to this. He saw the love that Christ manifests toward the children brought to him. 
he saw how tenderly he received them and took them up in his arms and his heart kindled with the love for the Savior. He felt the desire to be his disciple. Did you get this? He felt the desire to be his disciple. He was so deeply moved that as Christ was going on his way, he ran after him and kneeling at his feet, asked with sincerity and earnestness the question so important to his soul and to the soul of every human being. Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He was desperate, friends. He was desperate. He was sincere. And I'll jump. Christ looked in the face of the young man as if reading his life and searching his character. He loved him and he hungered to give him peace, grace, and joy which would materially change his character. Jesus longed to give him what? Grace, peace, and joy that would materially change his character and eventually his life. Amen? But he was sad because when he discovered what Jesus was asking, it was too much. And he went away grieved. Mark 10 verse 22. The ruler was quick to discern that all Christ's words involved and he became sad. Listen to this, friends. If he realized the value of the gift offered, quickly he would have enrolled himself as one of Christ's followers. Friends, Jesus saw his potential Listen to what could have been. If he would place himself under Christ's guidance, he would be a power for good in a marked degree. I look back. I looked it up. What is the meaning of marked degree? It says here, marked degree, a significant extent. In a significant extent, the ruler could have represented Christ. For he possessed qualifications which, if he were united with a Savior, would have enabled him to become a divine force among men. Wow! He could have been a Paul or maybe more. Did you get this? When I saw this, I saw the loss. And listen to this. Jesus longed to see him a co-working with him, co-worker with him. He longed to make him like himself a mirror in which the likeness of God would be reflected. He would be like a duplicate of Jesus, friends. And he lost that opportunity. Satan was tempting him with flattering prospects of the future. This is the reason why he did not give in. He wanted a heavenly treasure, but he wanted also the temporal advantages his riches would bring him. He was so sorry that such condition existed he desired eternal life, but he was not willing to make the sacrifice. The cost of eternal life seemed too great that he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful, he went away grieved, but Jesus was about to give him grace, peace, and joy. My dear friends, moving away from Christ is moving away from peace grace and joy because peace is only found in the presence of god can you say amen, amen. psalm 16 verse 11 thou wilt show me the, the path of life in thy presence is what not just joy but fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore 
Friends, he saw that following Jesus would significantly change his life plans. And he was not willing. And like Satan, Satan persuaded Adam and Eve that God withheld some great good from them. That's what he thought. That the moment he gave his life to the Lord, he will be withheld from something that would be good or great for him. Jesus was yearning for his conversion. With what deep interest he watched the issue as the young man weighed the question. And this is one amazing thing. Every time we are in the valley of decision, God, Jesus himself, is looking at you and somehow cheering you on. Please choose me. Choose me and I will show you life. I will show you grace. I will show you joy. Friends, this is one thing that we realize that we think most of the time that when we give everything to Jesus, man, life is gone. When you go down in that chapter, I did not even know that this, that this verse belongs to this story. Mark 10, verse 29, it says, And Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, or the gospels, meaning for everything. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime. Amen? That amen is a very doubtful amen. <laughs> Don't you believe? That this is not my words. This is not from Gem chapter 10, verse 32. When you read this, this is written in red. This is Christ's words. Christ's words says, you will receive a hundredfold in this lifetime. And in the end, eternal life. Friends, the rich young ruler, he chose his possessions, ambition, and position than to be in Christ's presence. Instead of receiving joy, he went away grieved and sorrowful. One of my worries before is, how will I, how will I do this, Lord, without planning for myself? And one time my sister asked me, Jem, I know that you're a missionary. That was my first year going to the missions. When are you going to take this seriously? I'm thinking, what? I said, what do you mean? When are you going to take this seriously? I said, you don't have any insurance. You don't have regular salary. How are you going to feed yourself? You'd be like your, your nephew back in Malaysia. At least he has a regular place to stay. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, yes. What am I, I going to do? And then my sister said, what if you'll have a family later on? How are you going to provide for your family? And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I could not even afford to take care of a goldfish. How much more of a wife? <laughs> yes, friends, I'm single, but not advertising. <laughs> so I was worried, and I was even thinking, so, Lord, what should I do? Should I take all the offers? Should I, which one? Which offer should I take? And I was praying, and the Lord somehow spoke to my heart. Have I not been taking care of you? And Lord, I'm sorry. One year you have been taking care of me. So I surrendered to him. Because that mission trip, friends, I did not have anywhere else to go after that. So I'm thinking, Lord, what's going to happen after this? And the Lord reminded me, I have been arranging your mission trips for the past, for the past year. And I said, okay, Lord, I surrender this to you. The moment I said that I surrendered it to him, 
The next day, I received emails, phone calls, text messages. Jem, can you lead out this? Jem, can you come to our country? Jem, can you do this? Friends, my three months was packed. And then I said to the Lord after the three months, Lord, I learned my lesson. I'll surrender to you. Sometimes we say surrender, but really, it's not really surrender. <laughs> I'll give you half, Lord. <laughs> but then the Lord showed me after three months, friends, when I surrendered to him, the Lord filled up my six months. After that six months, I said, I learned my lesson. I, I will not put my finger in any of your plans. The Lord showed me. He filled up my one year and a quarter in advance. Isn't God amazing? Friends, this is no joke. This is reality. So when I look back, friends, sometimes we think that it is a sacrifice to give to God. It is. Listen, it will require a sacrifice to give your plans or yourself to God. It is a sacrifice of the lower for the higher. For the earthly, for the spiritual, and the perishable for the eternal. Is it really a sacrifice? As I've shared here last year, it's not a sacrifice, friends. It's an upgrade. Giving to God is always an upgrade. And when the Lord requires you to give up something, it means to say you are ready for an upgrade. So stop holding on to your Nokia 5110. <laughs> the Lord is going to give you Nokia 3210. <laughs> no, more than that, friends. A hundred folds. And there is this beautiful quote. There is this beautiful quote from, from Help in Daily Living, a continuation of that. So again, can you remind me what is the first reason why we do not have joy and peace that the Lord has promised? We what? We plan for ourselves and not for the glory of God. So you know what's the Lord's suggestion? Too many in planning for a brilliant future make an utter failure. Wow. And his suggestion is, let God plan for you. Can you say amen? amen. Do you see the end from the beginning? Do you see what's going to happen next week? Do you see what's going to happen five minutes from now? Do you even know that I'm going to do this? No. Only God knows. And if God knows the end from the beginning, my dear friends, trust him. He already said he has plans for you. So let him. Amen? Remember the verse that our brother read a while ago. Trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart. Let's stick with that. So for that first one, trust in the Lord with all of your plans. Next one. Next reason why we do not have that joy or peace that the Lord has promised is that we rely so much on our own strength. We rely so much on what we can do and what we have accomplished on our education, on our bank account, on our influence, but not fully relying on Him. Not fully relying on what He says. Friends, it says here, the greatest blessing spiritually is the knowledge that we are destitute. Amen? Is the knowledge that we are what? It's the knowledge that we are nothing. It's the knowledge, dear, dear friends, that without God, we are nothing. That is the biggest blessing there is. And 
A beautiful counsel from Science of the Times, August 24, 1891, it says, whatever prevents us from making Christ our entire dependence is abomination in the sight of God. Whatever prevents us from making Christ our entire dependence is abomination in the sight of God. This is serious, friends. The Lord wants you to rely on Him fully. You know why? Because that's your only safety. That's your only way to joy. That's your only way to happiness. Leaning on Him is your only chance. Remember, remember Gideon and his 300? From 32,000, the Lord reduced them to 10,000. And the Lord says, that's still too many. When you look at this scenario, it's like, it's crazy. How can be 32,000 be so many in a numbered host? <laughs> Their enemy could not be numbered. It's like the sand of the seashore. And the Lord reduced them from 10,000 to what? To 300. And friends, Judges 7 verse 2, this is the reason. The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory against me, saying, mine own hand had saved me. Friends, this is a group of people who are not even trained for war. They are trained construction workers, domestic helpers, but they are not warriors. And yet they will have that tendency to claim the glory to themselves. Friends, the Lord has to reduce them. 300 over 32,000, you know what's the percentage? 0.9375, it's not even 1%. Can we round it off to one? No. The Lord wants to make it clear that it's not them that's going to win the battle. The Lord wants to be so obvious that when, when the victory comes, it's all about Him. Friends, could God have used women and children to fight the battle? Huh? Why did He use men? Because men are the head of the family. When they go back home, they have to tell their, their children, my son, it's God who fought the battle for us. Wife, it's God who won the battle. Friends, this is the reason why God wants himself to be so obvious. The Lord can do but little for the children of men because they are so full of pride and vain glory. They exalt self, magnifying their own strength, learning and wisdom. It is necessary for God to disappoint their hopes and frustrate their plans that they may learn to trust in him alone. Friends, who among you here is frustrated with the plans that you think will happen in your life right now? My suggestion is don't blame it on God. God is trying to get your attention that He may show you His plans. God would rather disappoint you than let you go out of your way. Because there's a beautiful quote that says, if God lets man have his own way, it is the darkest hour of his life. Faith and Works, page 50. If God lets man have his own way, it is the darkest hour of his life. I read this, this quote last time when we had this 10 days of prayer. Friends, just imagine if this is the audience for 10 days of prayer. Christ would come next week. Most of the time, we lean so much on our own strength, friends. But listen, when you are strong, then you are weak. Because you are weak in the very point where your strength is. 
because you are very apt to pride of your strong points. Everyone is weak when trusting in themselves. Whatever point that is that you trust in, that point is especially weak. And it says here, you have nothing but weak points. Can you say amen? amen. When people tell you, you are nothing, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> because I have God and I have everything. Amen? amen. Friends, remember the next line in that trust in the Lord with all your heart and What's the next line? Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own strength. Lean not on your own bank account. Lean not on your own influence. Lean not on your own education. Lean fully on Him. Can you say amen? amen. There's this beautiful reminder, Christ's Object Lesson, page 154. There's nothing so offensive to God or so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-sufficiency. Of all sins, it is the most Hopeless. Of all sins, it is the most hopeless. Friends, this is the reason why that God is asking His people, if my people shall humble themselves. That's the only antidote for pride and self-sufficiency. Consider ourselves nothing. If we accept that God gave us an instruction, without you I am nothing. That is not just a threat. That's a fact. Without Him, you are nothing. Friends, the moment you see your nothingness, your need will increase. You cannot go on on your own. I can do this. No, you can't. That would be real foolishness. It will increase your need of Him. Your grip on Him will be as desperate as it should. You know, the need is a blessing. It says here, from the soul that feels His need, Nothing is withheld. How much do you need God in your life? How much do you need God's intervention in your life? If you need this much, then this is how much you get. Friends, I pray that our need would be boundless. And uh, remember, what's the first one? What's the first reason that we don't have the joy that, that God has been promising us? We plan for ourselves not for the glory of God. What's the antidote? Let God plan for you. <laughs> the second one is what? We trust so much in our own strength. What's the solution? Lean on God. Remember, this, this two beautiful lines, it, trust in the Lord with all, of, uh, with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. These are powerful lines that we often forget the third line. In all of your ways, what? And he will what? This is where we fail most of the time, friends, because every time we achieve something, every time we are on a high, we forget God. And we forget to acknowledge him. And our paths are not directed. We lose our way. Acknowledging God is very important. Acknowledging God every moment of the day, waking up, thinking, Lord, if not for you, I would, not, I would not be here right now. If not, if not for you, these nostrils would not even open. <laughs> Amen? It's reality, friends. Without God, we are nothing. You are nothing. You should say, praise God. Amen? 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And this is one thing, friends, that is so scary for me before because I diagnosed myself as having ADHD. Maybe it's right. I have not gone to check myself, but I'm just like, like my attention span is, I guess, shorter than the crow. And I'm thinking, how can I know your ways, Lord? But then you know what? God is just awesome. He transformed dust into a masterpiece, amen? So I have hope. So as I lean fully on him, as I relinquish my desire to him, as I relinquish my plans, the Lord made his plan so clear. Can you say amen? amen? Friends, for the past nine years, nine solid years of evidence, that's why I'm here right now to brag about him, to brag about his leading, to brag about what he can fulfill in our lives if we just but trust him. Because I'm, just, I'm not just seeing this right now in my life. I'm seeing this in the lives of people who took God at his word. In the lives of ministries, of churches, of conferences that put God in everything and let God plan for them. Friends, when we're talking about, about uh, our lesson this morning in the collegiate, God is wanting us not to have a roller coaster ride. You know what's God's desire for his people? Uninterrupted victories. Amen. Did you get that? Uninterrupted victories. You could not even, and then there's another victory. Before you could inhale, that is what happens when God is taking control. So there was this experience last, uh, no, almost, like almost two years ago now, like a year and a half. We were preparing for the annual council. So as a prayer team in a general conference, we have to be there a week before or five days before the, the GC annual council. And my prayer partner, he's traveling with his family from, from Iceland to Washington, D.C. And I'm already in, in Baltimore, Maryland. And thinking, I have to pick him up because he has no way of, of going to the place where, where we're staying. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, and that is Sabbath, friends. That was Sabbath. And I don't want to travel on Sabbath, especially like uh, you get stuck in, in a bus and you hear music that you don't want to listen to. I'm thinking, Lord, this is still Sabbath. And he's arriving at seven. So it means to say that I have to leave the place earlier than, than sunset. So the Lord taught me to rely upon him. Lord, I claim you promised Psalms 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I'll guide you with mine eye. So I was praying and praying, and I checked, friends, I checked Uber. Friends, Uber ride, you know how much it will cost? Like $76 from Baltimore to Washington, D.C., the airport. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, it, this is just like an airplane ride. And then I was praying, Lord, please show me other options. And I was thinking about bus. Friends, bus will take me like three hours. It will cost me like $40. I'm thinking, it's no difference. It's just a little... A little discount and then I was praying and I was surrendered to him Lord please teach me and then the Lord convicted me open the Uber app again and then I checked Uber pool this is my first time seeing oh this is I heard about this but this is my first time seeing the option Uber pool and it will cost me $32 <laughs> this is awesome Lord thank you so I asked next time so Lord what time should I leave 
And I was just like, Lord, I don't want to leave before, before sunset, but if it's your will for me to go, just, just give me peace on what time. And the Lord somehow spoke to my heart, go at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. is not yet sunset, friends. I guess sunset during the time was around 7.30, and praise God that his flight was delayed. His arrival is at 8 now instead of 7, so I have the two-hour span. So while I was waiting there for my Uber ride, I saw, because in pool, they do not pick you up at your house. You have to go to the pickup station, to the pin. So I went there, and then I saw my, I saw my, my ride going around and around in a corner. I'm thinking, is he lost? Is he stuck? And like after two minutes of going around, I, I'm getting impatient, but that's the only option I had. So I wait for him, and then finally he, he, he arrived. And so I went in, inside his Dodge car, and when I opened the door, when I sat in, the, the door just slammed because the wind was wrong. Bang! And the guy who was driving was a huge African-American guy who has a lot of bling. His, his hands were covered with, with gold, and he has a huge like gold chain and gold pendant. And, and he looked at me and said, careful with my door, man. And said, I told him, I'm sorry, it's the wind. <laughs> it was the wind. So friends, that was a bad start. So while, while he was driving, and I asked him, so how are you? <laughs> I just slammed his door and I asked him, how are you? And he said something positive. He said, there's a lot of things to complain, but uh, I choose not to complain. I said, I love your spirit, man. God is good. So he noticed that I'm a chatty person. So he opened his window. And he asked me, uh, do you know about reggae? And I said, Yes, I live in the islands. I know about reggae. I said, where are you from? I said, from the Philippines. I said, oh, okay. So would you mind if I play some reggae? Remember, friends, this is not sunset yet. And even though it's sunset, I'm not comfortable listening to, to those music. And, and before I could even say, no, <laughs> the Lord put, put his hand on my mouth, and this guy just went and, and played reggae. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And then he began asking me questions. He said, oh, so... So are you here for a visit or you're staying here? No, I'm just here for a visit. I go from place to place almost every week. I said, wow, you travel so much. I said, yes. And then he asked me, what's your job? I said, I'm an assassin. <laughs> and then he turned towards me. He goes, friends, look at me. I'm an Asian. <laughs> so he would believe that. And then I told him, no, I'm a missionary. That's why I travel a lot. I said, oh, you're a missionary. And then he asked me, so tell me about your work. Friends, when I, when I heard those words, tell me about your work, like ding, 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 testimony time. So I shared with him my testimony, and I was praying, Lord, please share this testimony your way. And friends, the more I share my testimony, he began closing his window. And he turned the reggae music lower. Eventually, it was off. And he was engaging in our conversation. And now he's beginning to open up. And he was saying, wow, that's, that's awesome. And said, yes, we have an awesome God. We have a powerful God. And he said, sometimes I doubt God that he's, he's doing this in my life, all these crazy things. And said, tell me about it. He told me that just in the two-month period, a cousin and, and a very, very close friend passed away because of gang violence. You know, in that place, gang violence is, is really, really bad. So I told him, you know what? Sometimes we could not understand what is happening in our lives, but we believe that God is still good. And, and friends, he began to open up about all his doubts and all these things. And then he told me, you know what? I, 
I didn't even want to, to go and, and travel and, and do business today. And I said, why? And I said, I only do this because I want to pay bills. If not for bills, I would stay home. I would lock myself in my room. And I'm only doing this because two of my girls are sick. Here's divorce, friends. And I need to pay alimony and I have to send money for, for their medicine. So while we were speaking and speaking, God is just softening his heart. And then friends, it was God's turn to soften my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart. Remember the $100 that I gave you last week? Give it to him. And I asked, all of it? <laughs> and the Lord said, yes, all of it. Friends, I give tip, but not as generous as that. <laughs> Remember, I was just even fighting tooth and nail to get that, that Uber ride because it's expensive, and now God is asking me to give him the $100 tip, and the Lord is somehow giving me this huge prompting, give it to him now. Friends, you give tip at the end of the ride, not in the middle of the ride. So while he was driving, I opened my... <laughs> I opened my, my wallet, gave him the $100, and I, by the way, his name is Sean. I said, excuse me, Sean, this is for you. And then he was driving, and he was, what's that? I said, for you. Why? I said, the Lord says so. I said, why? I said, because the Lord says so. I said, it doesn't make sense. I said, why? You're a poor missionary, remember? Why are you giving me that? I said, yes, I'm a poor missionary, but I have a rich God. So he wants you to have it. So friends, reluctantly, Sean received $100. And then all of a sudden, he just pounded the wheel, said, you just don't know. And I said, come down. <laughs> and I said, you just don't know. He was pounding the wheel. And I said, Sean, come down. And I'm afraid he will just punch me and, <laughs> and rob me of all my belongings, which is nothing much. And then he said, you just don't know, Jim. You just don't know. And I said, Sean, tell me. So this morning, I woke up. I woke up at five o'clock. I'm not a morning person. I did not want to wake up. But I know something just powerful than me woke me up and told me, I will do something for you today. And that's why, James, you just don't know. You just don't know. His voice was breaking. And then he told me, you know what? I didn't tell you. I'm in a two-month depression. And I'm in a two-month darkness. And I didn't want to get up just because of the bills, just because of all these things. And because of my kid was sick right now. I didn't want to get up. And you are my first customer. You're my first customer. You're my first client. And I don't know if you saw me going around in that corner because I was deciding not to pick you up because I have never accepted an Uber pool before. And he told me, you're my first Uber pool. And I told him, you're my first Uber pool too. <laughs> Friends, that conversation just opened up a lot of things. And somehow this huge guy, this bulky guy just opened his heart. And I said, Sean, I know that God is trying to reach you. And I said, Jim, that's why you just don't know. You just don't know how this opens up my mind to the possibility that God is caring. And friends, while we were doing that, remember this is Uber pool. I don't have the whole car for myself. There was a text message that came 
there's another person that needs to be picked up in 15 minutes. And, and friends, I was praying, Lord, our conversation will be destroyed. And then Sean said, okay, no, this ride is exclusive. He rejected it. Of course, there's $100. It's exclusive. But God is amazing. And then you know what? He said, Jem, the moment you, you sat down, I was, I was just like having trouble. And then you slammed my door. And then and I said, it was not me. It was the wind. <laughs> and then he told me, and then of all, of all my, my, uh, my passengers, most of them ride at the back. You ride beside me. He didn't know that Filipino wants shotgun all the time. <laughs> So I ride beside him and he said, and you are chatty, that's why I opened the window. That's why I want to listen to music because I don't want to talk. But somehow when you begin talking, there's just this force that somehow drove me to listen to you because somehow there's this voice inside of me that's saying, listen to him, he has something to tell you. And I told him, Sean, that was the Holy Spirit. Friends, before he dropped me off, hesitatingly, Sean told me, Jem, there's another request. I know you have given me a lot already, but there's another request that I want to ask from you. And I said, what's that, Sean? And then he told me, can you pray for me? And I told him, Sean, even if you don't ask, I'll still pray for you. <laughs> so the moment we stopped, friends, I prayed for Sean, put my hand over his tall shoulders, and then I prayed. And the moment I woke, I opened my eyes, I saw Sean's eyes about to break loose. I gave him this huge hug and I gave him all, all the glow tracks that I collected during that day in the church. I don't usually collect glow tracks, but during that day, I collect glow tracks and booklets, and then I know it was for Sean. And I gave him the glow tracks, and I gave him my card, and I told him, Sean, just in case you need prayer, call me. I may not, I may not have another $100 box, but uh, we could pray together. And friends, God gave me, uh, Sean gave me a huge hug. And then I, I left and I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. Your way is always perfect. Amen. Friends, God's ways is amazing. Amen? Amen? If we but only acknowledge that without God, we are nothing. Yeah. And I remember, friends, how many of those times, how many of those moments that I have missed out because I only followed my own way. I did not lean on the Lord. I did not acknowledge that it is Him who's guiding me. We are now on our third and final reason why we do not have the peace and joy that the Lord has promised. Friends, before I, I touch that item, I just want to, to bring your minds back. This is related to the third one. I just want to bring your mind back to the time that uh, the Israelites were preparing to go to Canaan. Remember, who told them to send spies? Numbers 13 verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land. Who said it? God. And you know what? This is one of the stories that I question God. I question God's character because I'm thinking, Lord, this is a faithless generation. Why would you set a trap for them? Remember, the Lord already see what's going to happen. And yet, he asked them to to send men to search the land, he knew that 10 of them will report bad things and the rest of the tribe will not go. I'm thinking, Lord, you're unfair. I closed my Bible. I did not continue reading. But the Lord was patient. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
Listen to this thought. I read in Science of the Times, it says, the proposition to send men to search the land was first made by the people. Did you get this? It was not God's idea. It was people's idea. And there's a reference to that in Deuteronomy 1, verse 22 and 23. Remember, this was before they crossed Jordan or they they surrounded Jericho. Moses recalled to them what happened in Canaan. Listen to this, friends. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us. Whose idea was that? It was man. And if you see, if you read from the spirit of prophecy, it says there, God saw that their hearts will never be moved. Their decision is, is already solid. So the Lord gave them what they wanted. And friends, question, is searching the land before you attack a good or a bad idea? Good in general. Would you agree? Good? It is good. But friends, no matter how good of an idea it is, if it's not God's idea, it's not good. Listen to this. But as it pleased Moses, he presented the matter before the Lord and obtained his consent for them to go. The result was disaster and destruction. No matter how good of an idea it is, if it's not God's idea, it would result to disaster and destruction. Listen to this, friends. Had they waited, had they what? Had they waited for the Lord to say, go forward and follow the divine leader? they would have seen the majesty and glory of God as verily as they saw it 40 years afterwards. If they have just waited, they would have seen the majesty, the glory, and the victory that they would have seen 40 years afterwards. But because they could not wait, it cost them 40 years. But because... They could not wait. It did not just cost them 40 years. It cost them their lives. Those people who had those ideas were not able to enter Canaan. Friends, and people are asking me, so Jim, how long should we wait? As long as it takes. It's not worth it to go ahead of God. Amen? It's not worth it, friends. And listen to this thought, friends. There is a necessity for the Lord himself to communicate his own ideas to the soul. It is important for the Lord to communicate. God has his own ideas that he wants to tell us. If we just but diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. But why is this not happening right now? Remember in the time of of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were instructed every time. They were instructed where to go. They were instructed whose house they have not. And this is one thing, friends, that needs to happen right now. We have all the tools. (laughs) We have God, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But we lean so much on our own understanding, which brings us as well to the third reason why we do not have that peace and joy that the Lord has promised. We do not wait on God. Am Am I correct? We do not wait on God. We are too quick to get up from our knees. And when we don't hear the Lord's leading in our lives, when we don't see the confirmation after five minutes, okay, Lord, I'm going to do my own thing. Friends, it's not worth it. It will not just cost you your life. It might cost the life of the people around you. 
There is a necessity for the Lord himself to communicate his own ideas to the soul. Testimony Treasures, Volume 2. A book, Prayer, it says, Christ is ever sending messages to those who listen to his voice. Amen? Friends, we have to wait on God. We are good when it talks about faith. We, have, we are good when it talks about courage, but waiting, we are so bad at it. And there's one story as well that somehow made me question about the character of God. I'm just opening my heart to you this morning. And this story is about Moses. And this one story that I could not wait about God's ending for this story that I closed my book because remember Moses, he was given the huge task, friends, preaching or leading this, this hard, hard-hearted people, this stubborn people, and then just one little sin. He was not allowed to enter Canaan. And when you look at the story, he just buried his brother Aaron, and he was, he was in great turmoil. He was depressed. He was heartbroken. And then a few chapters later, God told him, now you have to go up Mount Nebo alone. No one was tasked to bury him. And you know what? Burial during the time is very important. But Moses did not complain. He waited on God. He walked up Mount Nebo. And while he was there in Mount Nebo, friends, just imagine, just imagine, God showed him, this is the land of Canaan, the land that you're not able to go. And it's like torture, isn't it? It's like dangling a burger in front of a hungry kid. A vegan burger, of course. <laughs> and then I realized, Lord, you are so cruel. I closed my Bible and stopped reading. Again, even if I don't wait on God, God waits on me. <laughs> Amen? And one time I was reading, I was reading, and, and this beautiful thought just opened before my eyes that God, while, while Moses was there, while Moses was there in, in, on top of that mountain, God showed him something. But before I could reach there, there's another thing that really broke my heart. Listen to this, friends. Remember, Moses was about to, to be buried. But listen to the description of Moses' health condition. It says here, he was not beyond temptation and there was a mystery and awfulness about the scene before him from which his heart shrank. He was in the full vigor of health with all his powers in active exercise. He was not dying. He could outrun kids. He could have questioned, Lord, why? Why are you not letting me go through? I could still fight. Friends, all his powers in active exercise, but Moses learned his lesson. He shut up. He waited on God. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed him in panoramic view what's going to happen. The Israelites going into Canaan, conquering Canaan. The Israelites going down, defeat, time after time. The Lord showed him Jesus Christ come down to earth as, as a little boy. As a child, the Lord showed him Jesus choosing his disciples. The Lord showed him Jesus resurrected from the grave. And the Lord closed his eyes and buried him. And Satan came to claim Moses. But Christ did not go into controversy with Satan. And when you see, friends, when you read, when you read a chapter of Jude, you'll see that Jesus taken on the name Michael. 
you know what that means? When Jesus brings the name Michael, he's ready for war. He's ready for battle. Jesus fought for Moses. And when Satan came attacking, Jesus did this, talk to the hand. (laughs) Friends, isn't God amazing? And get this. Now, Moses opened his eyes. Moses opened his eyes. When he opened his eyes, he was not in the land of Canaan. He was in heavenly Canaan. He was in heavenly Canaan, friends. And the moment I saw that, I was so ashamed of myself. I'm thinking, oh Lord, Moses would not complain. Moses would not complain. My eyes was only fixed for the earthly Canaan. But you have better plans and bigger plans for Moses. Amen? Friends, our eyes are just so fixed with the little plans that we have here. And for that reason, we miss out on God's great plans for us. And we listen to the taunts of the enemy saying, God is holding back something great from you. Friends, it's a lie. The enemy taunts you, but he could never fulfill. Look back in your life. God always fulfills. And there's no reason to hold back from him. There's no reason to hold back from him. In the life of Moses, just imagine that darkness, friends, that darkness that he is feeling because he knows he's going to die and he doesn't know if he's going to be saved or not because he committed that sin. But his heart was just surrendered to God. But in that, in that stillness, God was there with him. Another passage before I close. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? There was one preacher that preached, and I looked up to this preacher, and he said, even God himself turned his back from his own son. I'm thinking, no, that's not right. So praise God that during that time, I was reading Desire of Ages, and I met this beautiful passage here. In that thick darkness, remember the time that Jesus was hanging on the cross? Remember the time when there was this darkness around him? In the thick darkness, God's presence was hidden. He makes darkness his pavilion and conceals his glory from human eyes. God and his holy angels were beside the cross. The father was with his son. In the time that Jesus was thinking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the only time in the Bible or in the story of Jesus that the father came down and be with his son. My dear friends, in the darkest hours of our lives, when we give our lives to the Lord, even though you do not you do not feel him even though you do not sense him my dear friends when you know that you have given everything to him he is there with you and therefore i conclude in his presence is fullness of joy no matter what darkness you're you're looking at friends god desires for you to experience that joy be not satisfied being adventist We have to change that to joy, Ventist. Friends, God has so much more to give us if we let him. If we would but yield our lives to him. Every day is a decision. Every day, God is appealing to you. And every day, God is very much concerned. And Jesus is somehow asking you, choose me. So this morning, I could not end this talk without giving you that invitation as well. As the young ruler missed out 
on what could have been. As the young ruler missed out on, he could have been a Paul. He could have been a Peter. He could be next to Jesus. I'm opening up this morning to you. If you want to say, Lord, I put you above my education. I put you above my family. I put you above my boyfriend, above my girlfriend, above my desire. If that is your desire, I'd just like to ask you to please come forward. Praise the Lord. Come closer. Friends, there is no time to lose. There is no time to waste. Every single day, every single day, people, people are dying without knowing Jesus. Every single day, there are people who are needed in the field that should not be in the pews. Every single day, my dear friends, God is calling. Let us not delay. Do you think that this world is going to last? Not long. The volcano in the Philippines just remind me of that. My friends there are running with ashes over their head. I'm thinking, I don't want to live in this world. Friends, God has a better world for us. Heavenly Canaan is way, way, way better than earthly Canaan. Stop being comfortable in earthly Canaan. And you know what's the most amazing thing? Going with God is the best adventure of your life could ever experience. And people say, Jem, how do you do it? I told them, it's easy. I don't do it. God does it. I am nothing. But when I have God, I have everything. God desires to be your everything, friends. So as we sing this song, friends, may this be a song of surrender. May this be a song of saying, Lord, just take everything. I'm yours. Wherever you want me to go, lead. I'm afraid. But Lord, please give me the courage to follow.